millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm right here. It's my time to be the voice you're listening to. Adrift with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. Hello. Hello. We're reunited. Yeah, it's been a while, like maybe two weeks. Yeah, because I, I was away last week and we did the podcast with me. I was a, in a travel tavern in Salford Keys. You were in your front room. And here we are back together again. Did you, did you miss me? I did. I mean, me not see for two weeks is actually quite a long time. It is a long time. <laughs> it is. Um, and, and even though the hotel experience was somewhat bleak, something that didn't happen to me is at no point was I just sat on the bed feeling a bit lonely and desperate. And then uh, the the wall didn't start vibrating as some people in the room next to me made violent love. Ooh. Which, I mean, that is a trope in a film, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, of course. Like you're, you're at a low ebb and then some people next door start humping away so at least that didn't happen can you please never again say make violence love <laughs> really doesn't, doesn't, it's not right it's not right basically <laughs> i think i've got that that um expression weirdly i think i've got that expression from the film it's a wonderful life no it's not yeah that, no, it's i not. think somebody would have that's somebody, in the dirty version <laughs> there's there's the bit i don't know how well you know that film but there's the bit where jimmy stewart has gone round to the house of the woman who will become his wife but you know she's just a a local girl at that stage and um the mother picks up the upstairs extension on the phone and says who's that down there and she says it's george bailey mother and he's about to make violent love to me oh in the old-fashioned sense yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) which i I think is basically necking yeah 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 you know so uh, apologies for anybody who was disturbed by that phrase um also, I've I've got something to talk about with regards to last week's episode. Oh, what? And it comes under the head under the heading "Pride Comes Before a Fall." Go on. I said, anthropo- oh, "Don't say it again." <laughs> I said it wrong. You know, I was gloating about saying it right. Right. Just everybody got in touch and said, "No, everybody. no." <laughs> so many people oh. said, "No." I mean, this say, is say, this say, say anthropomorphizing. Anthropomorphizing. I think that's it. I think I was right. calling it anthropomorphizing last oh, week. Oh, same thing. Yeah, okay. yeah. We all hear what you meant. Context determines meaning and Thro- usage determines correctness. Exactly. Uh, anthropomorphizing. But I don't even know if I've got that right. Oh, well. But I, th- I think maybe I will never say that word again. Oh, well, I, I never can, so yeah. yeah. Why is there no synonym for that name? No, there's not. No, no for that word, I should say. Um, so just a, a, a quick thing to start this week's podcast is we we had a cleaner for a long time mm. and then she vanished. Oh, what, yeah. just disappeared? Yeah, stopped replying to WhatsApp <laughs> messages. And, no, you were ghosted by your yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, no. yeah. So we haven't had a cleaner for ages and I know it's a real luxury luxury to have one and I've got all the uh all the you know guilt that you have about having somebody in your house cleaning and, and so on but Sarah has been on the hunt for a new cleaner mm. so somebody came round this week and there was one point at which she'd she'd emptied the bins so the bins were completely empty mm. and I had a piece of rubbish in my hand mm. and I couldn't put it in the bin I felt too bad. Oh, really? So I had to just put it in my pocket and walk away again. 
Because it looked like you were like going, come on, one more, one yeah, more yeah, empty. Yeah, it was come a bit on. like that. Yeah, oh. yeah. Um, and then the other thing, and tell me what you think about this. Okay. So she she did a good job, hmm. but here's the thing about her. She has a mobile phone, hmm. but she doesn't have the ability to receive text messages. I didn't even know that was a thing, but it is. Okay. And Sarah thinks we can't have a cleaner who we can't text. I think I agree. Because otherwise you would have to pick up the phone and speak yes. to her every time. Horrendous. Yeah. Absolutely horrendous. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, I totally agree. Then she's not got the job. No way. <laughs> if you know where you're going, it doesn't matter if the location is going in that same direction because you're already making the move. Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port are adrift. Stories from drifters, that's like oxygen to us. So if you haven't sent a story yet, please send us one if you sent one already. Uh, rack your brains and try and think of something else that's happened to you. Mine your own embarrassment and anxiety for stories, please. Uh, you can email hello at adriftpodcast.com. The first one's from Tim Wood. I write to you with a tale of social ineptitude that has left me still cringing a week later. I work in a design agency in London and such is the nature of the business, we have a fairly high staff turnover. This has meant that recently there have been a lot of new faces and a lot of new people to get to know. And so when upon my return from lunch the other day, I saw an unfamiliar woman stood in the kitchen chatting with our studio manager, I automatically assumed she must be the new finance assistant whom they'd mentioned was starting the week before. I must admit that I had seen the new finance assistant around but not yet introduced myself and so I thought this was the perfect opportunity to do so. I strode confidently towards her in front of a fair few of my colleagues and my tad, hand outstretched in greeting and introduced myself with a Hi, I'm Tim. I don't think I've met you yet. Alas, to my horror, with a puzzled look on her face, she shook my hand and replied, Oh, hi, I, I'm Dinah, the regional manager for your cleaning contractor. Uh... Mentally cringing, I attempted to pass it off with a, oh, well, nice to meet you. But as I beat a hasty retreat back to my desk, I clearly overheard the words, does he introduce himself like that to everyone who pops in for a meeting? <laughs> it's now over a week later and I still haven't introduced myself to the new finance assistant in case I accidentally greet a courier or the person who's come to quote to fix the flooring. <laughs> this is from Nikki. My husband and I do a lot of fell walking in the Lake District. One day we were walking back down a mountain when we saw a group of people, group of people ahead who were on their way up. One of the group was a middle-aged man who had a younger man holding onto his shoulders and slowly following him up. As we got closer, I realised that the man behind was blind and the man in front was slowly and carefully leading him up the path. My husband, who was slightly in front of me, obviously hadn't worked this out. As he met the men, he exchanged some pleasantries and empathised about how difficult the ascent was. He finished by saying, never mind, it's worth it for the view. Uh. <laughs> As I followed past, I smiled apologetically, although I imagine this was lost on the blind man and inwardly cringed. <laughs> OK, finally, this is from Mark. After hearing Jeff's recent struggles with neighbourly etiquette, I thought I'd write in with my own shameful tale, especially as it features another one of your favourite topics, running away. My wife and I could both be classed as your typical drifters. Awkward, neurotic and generally guaranteed always to do the wrong thing in challenging social situations. We're also very busy, career-driven people who don't have a lot of spare time to keep our house as spick and span as we'd like, especially as we'd rather spend our weekends and evenings socialising and enjoying ourselves as opposed to mowing the lawn or cleaning the bathroom. Unfortunately, this is in stark contrast to our next door neighbours who are total clean freaks. I'd estimate that the dad washes all three of their cars at least once a week. Wow. And on the few occasions I've stepped, in, stepped foot inside their house, I've been amazed at how immaculate the whole place is or what they must think about us in comparison. Separating our two driveways is a hedge that over the years our neighbours have gently reminded us it's our responsibility to trim. As a general rule, I try to be as diligent as possible when it comes to this job, as I don't want to be classed the grubby neighbour who is ruining their picture-perfect facade and driving down the property price, unlike me. <laughs> However, as I'm away with work a lot, I can sometimes leave it a little longer than it's perhaps ideal. Anyway... A few weekends ago, my wife and I popped to the supermarket to do our weekly food shop. As I drove back home along our street, I suddenly noticed someone stood on our driveway. At first, I couldn't make out who it was or what was happening. But as I drew closer, the full horror of what was occurring came into focus. 
Oh, my God, Keith is cutting the hedge. I screamed at my wife. Her mouth fell open. She stared at me in horror and blurted, go, go, go. Without a second thought, I slammed my foot on the accelerator and sped away. Do you think he saw us? I asked my wife. Wide-eyed, I checked my rearview mirror and panted, I don't think so. It was at this point I realised I had absolutely no idea where I was going. So I turned to my wife for suggestions. Thankfully, she, like me, agreed that the last thing we could possibly do was go home, as this would involve copious apologies for not cutting the hedge ourselves, the obligatory offer to finish the job on Keith's behalf, and the inevitable refusal, which would gift wrap him in the moral high ground in the process. (laughs) Therefore, we did the only rational thing we could think of and went to the local park for a walk. It was a blisteringly hot day, so our plan involved spending an hour or so wandering around the lake, maybe grabbing an ice cream or feeding the ducks, just long enough for Keith to finish the job, clear up his mess and take it to the dump. <laughs> However, as I pulled into the car park, I suddenly saw a fatal flaw in our plan. There was still an entire food shop in the boot of the car, most of which were needed to refrigerate. <laughs> the temperature outside was already peaking above 30 degrees, so there was no way we could spend an hour in the park without ruining most of the food we had bought in the process. Could we really write off 60 quid's worth of food just to ignore an awkward conversation with our neighbour? We swiftly decided that, yes, that was exactly what we were going to do. Apart from this small inconvenience, the plan went totally to plan. We returned home with our soggy shopping bags to a perfectly trimmed hedge, which we've decided to credit to the hedge fairy rather than acknowledge the actions of our neighbour and, you know, thank him or anything. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you would like it if your neighbour did that, wouldn't you? You'd be dream. (laughs) And I certainly wouldn't acknowledge it either. Has there been any more... um... No, no, not since my neighbour, I believe, uh, ripped off bits of, my, bits of my overgrown hedge and stuck it under my windscreen wipers. No, nothing since then. Uh, please share your story with us. Hello at adriftpodcast.com. There are some things that move down the stream. Some of them are called the Floyd and Annabelle Port. It's coming past you and on the sail is written G-L-A-P. Which stands for GLAP. Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. The organization. Adrift. Annabelle. Yes. What story have you prepared? Well, it's about the times I've been made to ride on something fast, which is mostly animals and mostly on holiday. Because this is something that only ever happens on holiday, it seems, which is ridiculous as holidays are supposed to be when you relax and enjoy yourself. But every family holiday as a kid seemed to involve pony trekking. I don't think because any of us wanted to. I think it's because it was something to do. And, yeah, you know, it gives a bit of structure to the exactly. day. It gives a bit of a shape to the yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. And what else are you supposed to do for two weeks in Derbyshire? Like, we're not a walking family <laughs> or an outdoorsy family. Like, indoors is considered to be far superior. Mm. If my mum had shops in her home, I don't think she'd bother with the outdoors at all. <laughs> But we always went pony Have you told her about online shopping? (laughs) Yeah, I don't, no. Then she never would. We always went pony trekking every holiday and every time, without fail, something would go wrong and I'd end up on the leader's horse with my pony being led behind. And we went every year, so you'd think, you know, over the years I'd developed some kind of equestrian skills. But the pony would, I believe, sense my weakness, both mentally and physically, and act up and try and throw me off. And then I'd get hysterical and have to be put with the leader who'd be telling my parents that they'd never had any problems with that pony before. In fact, they'd given me the most docile, gentle one. It was like I was the horse shouter, like something about me communicated <laughs> irritation and anger to even the most plastic creature. There are no animals in the next instance, but it does end the same way. It was when we were doing the show in Australia and we were flown out there by the Australian Tourist Board. I think the idea was that people would hear about our time there and book a holiday for themselves. Mm. Like nobody before had ever heard of Australia (laughs) or even thought about going there. I suppose they had to spend their marketing budget on something, didn't they? Yeah. It might have been better to hear from people who, who were there on holiday, but not also there having to do their full-time job. Yeah. <laughs> I think we got by in about two hours sleep yeah. a day, didn't we? But yeah. they sent us twice. And by the second time, I was so exhausted, I refused to go up in a hot air balloon. <laughs> <laughs> he refuses to go in a hot air balloon. But this was also the time when we went to Ramsey Street and saw that painting that Helen Daniels did in Mrs Mangle mm-hmm. with a really long neck. So I have got no complaints at all. I would yeah. make that clear. Anyway, the first and you rode me on that occasion. I did, what, I by which I put you on my shoulders oh. so that you could have your picture taken next. Because it's hung yes. quite high up. It's hung very so high. So that tourist can't Don't touch grab it. Grab yeah, it. Yeah, 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 which we would have done. So I, I got you on my shoulders, which is a feat yeah, of yeah. physical strength. 
you know, previously unseen. And then I grabbed it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we showed them. <laughs> it's like I got a superhero strength yeah. just for that one occasion. You know, like when you hear of a mother saving yes. a child by overturning a burning car or something. <laughs> that yeah. was mine just to get you up there with the Mrs. Oh, Mangle picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the first time we went, we were made to go quad biking. I'm sure you remember this well. And I say terrible at it. So bad, so unable to go more than two miles per hour and turn corners that I was made to abandon my vehicle and sit on the back of the leader's quad bike. <laughs> and this leader, like she seemed like someone who used the word beasting a lot. Like she probably spoke a lot about giving someone a beasting in the gym or being given a beasting and saying it with pleasure. And we all know the type of person, don't we? Frankly, she was a sadist. And though it was clear that I was someone who was too feeble in every way to handle a quad bike, something that even small children f- find fairly easy, she took great pleasure in going up to really high points and speeding down them and taking <laughs> corners in what I considered to be a very reckless manner. I was terrified and it was very clear to me then that I'm never going to make it as a lotto lout, which is hard to deal with. <laughs> I'm still confused as to why I ever went on a camel, though. This was also on holiday, on holiday in Lanzarote. And I would question if anybody has enjoyed a camel ride mm-hmm. or if it's something that you just feel like you should experience, like photocopying your bum, like something to tick <laughs> off your list, but surely no one gets any pleasure from. I was concerned before I even got on the camel, not because of my past record with this kind of thing, but because they told me its name was Tornad- Tornado. And I wasn't fooled by the pronunciation. Like <laughs> a, a placid, gentle camel is not called Tornado. No. And he was at the end of the train of camels, which also made me a bit suspicious for some reason. But I got on in an unparalleled bout of optimism and it spent the whole time trying to turn its head round to bite me, which was not easy for it because like, they're all tied up in a line, aren't they? Then Their heads are force fours, but it made a very good go, such a good go, that eventually it had to be untied from the others and led individually by one of the camel people. So I'm on my own while everyone else is in a line. I was singled out again. <laughs> One more story, also on holiday, because as I said, these things only ever happen on holiday. And it was on a working farm in the heart of the Sardinian countryside. And it was so beautiful and I was so relaxed that I lost my mind and went on a horse ride that they were offering there. <laughs> and it was just me and, there, and a horse guy who, due to my bad Italian and his bad English, I had trouble communicating with. But I had to try and say something when he put me on my horse and it looked like we were setting off, but he still hadn't given me a riding hat. So I pointed to my head and it was like I'd said, hold on, where are my novelty dealy boppers? He just (laughs) laughed and shook his head and off we went to what I was convinced was my sure death. But I didn't die, even though at one point we built up to what I believe is called a trot, terrifyingly fast. And I did have one of the great moments in my life because at one point he communicated to me to look to one side and out of the woods came a group of wild piglets who then chased us until we went outside which was amazing, and I've never been on another animal again. <laughs> Form an orderly bubble, and off we go. Adrift. Speaking of animals, mm. uh, I told you I'm trying to foster my son's interest in animals. Oh, right. So this weekend I took him to the city farm. Oh, which one? Well, not the one where you went to volunteer and then they all left without you. That's why I asked, because I felt you'd be a terrible traitor going no, to no. that farm. No, right. it no. It's, it's the best one, actually. Have you ever been to it? Mudshoot City Farm. I have heard that's the best. I mean, I this, it's, um, it's on the Isle of Dogs in London and it's in... It's got much more space than the other city farms and and many more animals and so on. Anyway, the reason I mention this is to get there, we had to take uh, a railway called the Docklands Light Railway, which, if people don't live in London, I'll describe it to you. Um, The the sort of smallish trains that are automated, they don't have a driver. Yeah. So the great thing about these trains is you get to sit in the front window mm-hmm. and pretend you're the driver. I know it works. I used to live in one of the stops. Yeah, right. Yeah, so, yeah. so my son, you know, the reason I'm so keen to foster his interest in animals is all he's really interested in are vehicles. Right, right. You yeah. know, as, as I've said before, he's two and a half and he's got speech problems. He's got delayed speech. So all he really says is car, bus, ta for taxi, choo-choo. He's just naming the different modes of transport over and over again. So the seconds he starts saying animals, I think, okay, there's something Uh, we can latch on to. But anyway, I think I'll take him on this Docklands Night Railway. We'll sit in the driver's seat. He is going to lose his mind. He'll be so excited by it. So so we get on and I bring him on in the pram 
Um, so I have to get him out of the pram to to move him into the seat. As I'm doing that, somebody pushes past me. No. And goes into that front oh, seat. That awful person. Not somebody with kids either. No. no. Yeah. That's the worst. Yeah. That, is, yeah. that is the definition of the worst person in the world. Yeah, if but, they'd had kids, I thought, well, their well, kids desperate. Well, fine. listen to this. So that happened on the way there. No. On the way back, we got on the train and it's not the first stop. So there are already people on it yeah. and there are already kids in those two seats at the front. Yeah. And then there were kids in the seats behind them too, so there was nowhere for us to sit in that section. But I thought if we just stand, they'll get off at some point because we're going to the end of the line and then we'll be able to sit in those seats. So we're standing there waiting. Then these two women in their 20s get on and they've obviously got the same idea in their head that they want to sit in the driver's seats. So, I mean, no exaggeration, eventually these children get off and these women push past me. It's not that I'm getting a baby out of a pram and possibly they didn't notice. I mean, they actively push past me to get in the front seat. The devil's own children. Oh, they do. No, I know. The golden rule with this is that you can admit to everyone you like that you like being in the driver's seat on the train and pretending to be the driver. Yeah. Once you're on that train, the golden rule is it's absolutely mortifying for anyone to know that's what you're doing. You have to do it so <laughs> yeah. casually. You have to like make sure there's no one else like looking like they're keen and then be like, oh, I think I'll... Yeah. I, I guess yeah. I'll just someone's sit. Gonna, someone's going to sit, sit there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, you've got to pretend that you're not yeah. interested. And I also think if you are a grown-up in those front seats without a child yeah. and you notice there is a child or somebody with a child hovering... Oh, you've got to move. You've got to move, yeah. Right. And I've done that before and it's eaten away at me. Yeah. I don't want to move. I'm worried that I have But you've got to move. <laughs> I'm really worried that I have Oh, God. Uh, I'll just quickly mention Patreon. Thank you to you if you support us on Patreon. We're already talking about what our next reward for Patreon supporters is going to be. And we've been asking for your suggestion um, of what we should do on video the next time. Somebody has suggested the George Harrison, you got my mind set, I got my mind set on you dance i'm worried it'd be disappointing yeah me yeah, too it yeah. was very much of the moment, of the moment. Yeah, yeah. yeah but if you have an if you're a patreon supporter and there is something beyond just a q a which we're very happy to do mm. if there's something beyond the QA that you'd be particularly interested in uh, watching a little video then email us hello at adriftpodcast.com <laughs> Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Now that you're listening, it's happening. Do you know it? Do you like it? When will you be here in the future? I will be here in the future. Adrift with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. All right, a couple uh, a couple of quick things here. Um, while I was in Manchester, I went to this great Indian restaurant on my own. I took myself out for dinner. And you know how it is in in an Indian they they bring you the the food in in individual dishes. Mm. So, you know, you might get your dal in one little pot and your rice in one little pot and your your curry in another little pot. Mm-hmm. And then you'll get a separate place plate to spoon it all onto. Yeah. And especially with you, when you're with other people, that's a good way of having it. Yeah. So, you know, so that you can all tuck in and, and dole out your individual portions. And I also think that if you were in India, there is some kind of social etiquette which says it's it's very rude to leave food on your plate. But if you only take small amounts from the dishes, you never put yourself in that situation. Oh, okay. See yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's okay to leave food in the dishes. Yeah, yeah. It's not okay to leave food on your plate. Okay. Anyway, I'm on my own. I've, I've basically got a curry in one dish and some rice in on in the other. Mm. And I think I'm just going to, you know, eat a spoonful of this one, then a spoonful of this one. I can't be bothered adding in the extra step <laughs> of putting it onto a plate. <laughs> so lazy. I know. Well, it gets worse <laughs> okay. because the waiter then comes over to me and says, oh, excuse me, sir, do you know how to eat a tali? Oh, no. And and what I want to say is, mm. yes, I, I, I am 
no, not an expert, but one of my great passions in life is Indian food. It's yeah. what I eat more than anything. Yeah, yeah. And and you're speaking oh. to me like I'm a novice. He so, he thinks you're an amateur. I know, and Indian it's food. so frustrating. Oh, and I'm not. I'm anything but an amateur. You're just lazy. I'm just lazy. I knew what I was doing. Oh. I made a choice yeah, yeah. out of laziness, yeah. and then I just became hyper aware that he was watching me from you know when they're just sort of standing looking for who needs something. I got, I got got the impression that when he was just sort of in neutral, he was watching to see what I was doing with my food the whole time. <laughs> Did you start eating it with your hands? Look more professional. <laughs> That's what I would do. And not my left hand. Yeah, yeah. 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 So there was that and then the other thing and um this is this is just slightly odd so i went to see my mum and dad last week and uh, i'm sat talking to my mum and she she says oh I f- guess what i found yesterday i said what she said i found a poem your father had written me when your sister was born oh my god <laughs> so we're, we're talking almost 40 years ago yeah yeah and I said, really? It doesn't seem the time. Because you know what my dad's like. Yes. Very gruff. Yeah. Not not one of life's poets you wouldn't have thought. I wouldn't assume. So I'm sort of quite touched that he's done this. I yeah. said, Mum, that's so lovely. She said, oh, yeah, it was lovely reading it. I said, can I have a look at it? She said, uh, no, I've thrown it away. What? I know. What? I said, why did you throw it away? She said, oh, I was just having a sort out. Things take up a lot of room. And like... I don't understand the mentality of having oh. held on to something for 40 years, yeah. it having enormous sentimental value, yeah. and then just one day in 2018 thinking, oh, no, it's, it's clutter that. I'll just throw it in the bin. How is one piece of paper taking up a lot I know, of room? I know, it's... On a giant scroll. <laughs> <laughs> just... Maybe it was. Maybe it was. <laughs> Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. Hi. It's a show, and it's also... A demeanor. All right, should we do a quandary corner at the Glap Clinic then? Yeah, yeah, okay. First one's from Sophia or Sophia, I don't know how she pronounces mm-hmm. it. Hello, Jeff and Annabelle. I have a question for the Glap Clinic. It was my birthday a few weeks ago, and one of my closest friends has forgotten it. No messages, no phone calls, nothing. I didn't say anything to her because I thought maybe she was busy, maybe it slipped her mind, and was hoping she would get back to me at some point. She has messaged me for the first time today and has not mentioned my birthday or the fact that she's forgotten it. Her birthday is coming up in October. What do I do? Do I just wish her happy birthday and continue being annoyed that she forgot mine? Or do I not say anything? And if she calls me up on it, I tell her she forgot mine too. Or do I tell her that she forgot mine and at the same time wish her a happy birthday on the day, on her day? Mm. Many thanks, Sophia Sophia. That is, that is very, very tough. It is tough. What would you I mean, do? Here's what I would do. I would drop my birthday into casual conversation. Oh, really? Be like, oh, oh, see, oh, my birthday had this really nice. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What oh. you've been up to? Yeah, she tells you what you've been. She's yeah, been up to. You yeah. go, yeah, and I've been up to. Oh, I had a nice birthday actually. I did this, this, and this. Oh, I, or, I can do it. Or if somebody's name came up in conversation, a mutual acquaintance, mm. you could say, oh, I got a lovely card from them on my birthday. No, I, you, yeah, I don't believe you could do that. No. Really? Well, I mean, here's here's the thing. I um, I'm not great with birthdays. I think. If, I just think you get to an age where those things start falling off, don't you? Yeah, I, yeah, I do agree for a bit. So she, maybe she just let it go. But I don't know. I don't know if Sophia or Sophia is 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 at that age yet. It's yeah, she diffi- doesn't say her age. Difficult to say because I think also you don't because she's it's a thing for her to remember birthdays. She doesn't want to ignore her friend's birthday, mm. but by acknowledging her birthday, she's drawing attention to the fact that her friend's forgotten hers. Oh, so I think you should I, definitely do that. Oh no! In the past, <laughs> I have. Um, not wish a friend happy birthday because I know that they've recently forgotten mine and I don't want to draw attention to it. But you're not doing it as an act of revenge. No, I'm doing it not to embarrass them. But what are the chances that they would even remember that they didn't wish you happy birthday? Oh, gosh, I assume they would. <laughs> like, like, they're not birthday, thinking... Annabelle, it, uh, hold no, on a minute. They might have just thought they did wish you happy birthday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we need a rule on it, mm. so... I think... An acceptable thing to do on somebody's birthday these days is go on their Facebook page, mm. see that somebody's written happy birthday, yeah. and then like it. <laughs> okay. I mean, I mean, that's as good as a card for me. I don't, I don't agree, but we're not going to get a rule, so that, that is it. I've got a thing. I've, I've got a friend who's turning 40 next month, and she's sent out like an invitation WhatsApp or text to her birthday. And I'm not, I mean, there's no way I'm going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife wants to go right. to the party. And I think, 
I just think anybody who knows me will take it from me if I just say, listen, I love you, but I'm not going to come to your birthday party. Yeah. It would be an ordeal for me. Mm-mm. People don't understand that their events are better for them than they are for other people. But surely no one enjoys their own birthday party. So stressful. She's got a booking bronco. Oh, you're not going. I'm not going I'll on go. one of those things. I'll go. <laughs> Can you imagine me on one of those? You're not really a bucking bronco no. guy. And nor am I a bucking no, bronco no. girl, as we, as, as we heard earlier, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. What's, uh, what's, what's okay, the other one? Let's go to the next one. This is from Alex. I would appreciate your advice on the etiquette of what to do when a performer asks for a donation. It was looking like an otherwise empty-looking midweek evening was approaching, so rather than do my real job, I put it upon myself to make my job that afternoon to find something simple and inexpensive yet spontaneous to suggest to my wife. I found just the event, a comedy night at a nearby pub to my work. Not near my wife's, but nonetheless perfect. The price was reasonable, and fearing it may book up, paid up online along with the per-ticket booking fee. She agreed. The comedy was a success. Brash, challenging, self-referential and full of awkward yet witty truths. However, at the end, a further awkward financial truth was revealed. While some, like myself, had paid, some had been allowed in for free and it was announced that they may like to make a donation at the end. And of course, if you were rich and had already paid, you should make another payment. The venue was intimate. There was only one exit via a narrow door and the comedian was taking the money directly at the door. Now, I was firmly in the camp of having paid in advance, so felt comfortable our account was settled and a great performance had been rightly paid for. I also had no cash to give, and this was not the sort of situation a suggestion of, do you take contactless, would go down well. <laughs> if we did have the cash, I might have paid again out of a sense of guilt for fear of appearing <laughs> to be a free rider. Maybe. Could we try and walk past and blather out an explanation of having paid them and a per-person booking fee already? Surely not. So in the end, we simply walked out and I hurriedly said, thanks, that was really funny. Which must be the lamest and perhaps the best reviewer could think of that filled two seconds and got us out. But we now deliver the possible perception that we never paid. What therefore would have been the best approach here? And does it make a difference that the comedian in question was Jeff's wife? Perhaps at least the message may get passed on. P.S. I'm sure she should charge more anyway. Her handling of a fellow wayward American in the audience alone was worth a fiver plus one pound booking fee. All best wishes, Alex. Well, we can settle this. Hang oh, on a second. Okay, okay. I'm just going to open the open the door to the attic. We're going to get the definitive answer, it seems. Sir, can you pop up? Yeah. Somebody has a question for you. <laughs> Here she comes. She's coming up the stairs. Uh, I'm going to invite you to share my microphone. Sarah, we have uh, an inquiry um, from one of our listeners. What was the name again? Alex. Alex, uh, for Quandry Corner at the Glap Clinic. He found himself in a situation recently where he'd been to see a comedian and he'd paid for the tickets online. However... Pay what you want at the door. Yeah. Pocket collection. Yeah. Yeah. And it was you. (laughs) <laughs> oh right yeah so he, he wants to know like so he, he thinks that you what did, did he say to me is he mad at me no no he, he enjoyed the show and he thinks you if anything you should be charging more and he said your handling of another american in the audience was uh it was worth the admission price alone oh was it at the bill murray i don't know i, I don't know a wild one so <laughs> so so the question is do you know i mean that a certain proportion of the audience has already paid for tickets and if they have do yeah. you expect them to tip on top of that and if not how should they handle it as they pass you on the way That's out a really 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 fair question so so basically what alex is sort of either said explicitly and I haven't heard this yet or is alluding to is like, listen, I will happily pay 10 pounds. Yeah. What I don't want is the awkward exchange with the performer on the way out, right? Totally fair. All I can say is don't shoot the messenger on that sort of thing. Like that is just a thing that a certain level of comedian is put into that position. So what I, what I think the thing to do is, is anytime you is to understand as a viewer, anytime you go to see a show that says P W Y W pay what you want, Mm. it will mean that you will get a little speech at the end of the show. And it will mean that that comedian has stood with a bucket at the end asking you for money. You should also understand it's going to make you feel like you want to die as the audience member. But from the comedian's perspective, just understand they've done it like, so many times they're just blind to the horribleness of it. What 
people have done to me, which I think is completely legit, because I do think it's unfair to be like, it's five pounds, but here's another thing. It's just like, just do one thing or the other. I'll pay 20 pounds. I don't want the conversation. What people would do for me is they would say, I bought tickets and I'd be like, I totally believe you. That's fine. Thank you. I'm just so glad that you're here. Take that at face value. Some people would go, I bought my tickets, but that was great. Here's another five. But I just, and and people will, what I would say to people is hold on to your hard tickets. When you're walking by, make eye contact and say, that was amazing. I bought my tickets. Thank you so much. And if the comedian says anything other than, I'm just thrilled you were here. Thank you so much for reserving ahead of time. They're a dick and anything they think should not be taken seriously. Well, there we go. Definitive answer. Thank you. the first time we've had a proper answer to one of these <laughs> dilemmas. I, think, I, think that's a, I, I mean, I think... You answered it perfectly, yeah. 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 And also, also, you didn't know what was coming. I mean, you, you had a very thorough, no, clearly communicated answer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. yeah. Well, that's totally answered. Yeah. Great. So if you have a situation for which you would like to know the rules, uh, you can email us here in Quandry Corner at the GLAP Clinic in Problematic. Um, rules, schools, rules, rules, rules. Yeah, knowledge college. You can email hello at adriftpodcast.com And that was our podcast. The music was by Man and the Echo and by Emily Harrison. Vince Lynch and Simon Wilcox are our announcers and made our idents. Patrick Gunning and Iwana Babu provided technical support. Kim Rainey designed our artwork and Carla Gowlett took the photos. Thanks for listening and please send us your story. Hello at adriftpodcast.com. Adrift. Adrift. All right, strap yourself in. We've got a load of podications this week. The first one comes from Justin Butler. I hate you, Butler. I don't hate you, Butler. It's just uh, me quoting on the buses. Yeah, I do worry that some people won't pick up on that reference, especially people under, I don't know, say 40. <laughs> also, it's not like I can do an impression <laughs> no, of Blakey no. from other buses. I can, I can say what he said, yeah, yeah. but I can't do the voice. You, you do start to do it, but you won't commit. Yeah, yes, yeah. 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 I, I, it's often my problem with oh. impersonations. Um... <laughs> Um, uh, this, this, sorry, this tickled me for some reason. I think I was imagining myself on one of those very posh holidays where people have butlers, oh, right? And then finding myself saying, "I ate you, butler," oh, okay. like I would ever be in that situation. <laughs> but there you go. Yeah. Um, dear Annabelle and Jeff, I'm writing to ask you for a podication, but first, I need to come clean about some things. Mm. Okay. Uh, Firstly, I really like your podcast, but I don't hear all the episodes. This is because my wife is the actual subscriber and I listen to it in the car with her, but she also listens to it without me. This is a thing in relationships, you know, especially if you're like binge watching something together. Mm. If they're out, do you carry on without them? Difficult. You know, do you watch it twice and pretend that you never saw it the first time? Definitely not that. No. No. Are you binge watching anything at the moment? Um, I'm binge listening to the Teacher's Pet podcast. I really like that. I don't know anything about that. That's very good. What's it about? Um, it's about a crime in Australia. Oh, somebody was telling me about that. It Maybe was me. it was you. Okay. <laughs> Did you tell me about it on the podcast? No, don't worry. Okay. No. <laughs> God, my memory. Um, uh, what about you? Are you binging on anything? Well, we just, what did we just finish? Sharp Objects, you said you watched? We started that and then oh, Sarah's, but no, no, but we will finish it, okay. but we, we haven't uh, done yet. Oh, Better Call Saul, we just finished. Oh, yeah. yeah. Which has been exceptional, yeah. this series. Okay, you must watch that. Have you never watched any of it? Oh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm up to date apart from this series. <laughs> oh, right, I mean, I mean this series, this, this series is, is astonishing. And my wife and I had an interesting conversation, mm-hmm. whereas I, I think Breaking Bad is up there with the best television I've ever seen, and, you know, I maintain that as an opinion. That being said i find better call saul more heartbreaking than breaking bad okay whereas my wife thinks walter white's story Mm. of how he became you know this drug 
kingpin mm. is more heartbreaking. The, whereas I think his he he came from a position of hubris. Mm, mm, mm. Whereas Jimmy, who becomes Saul, that's that's not his story. It's sort of yeah. bad decisions and being labelled a certain way in life and trying to get out of you know bad decisions he's made in the past, but you know thwarting himself. I think I've got more sympathy for him because there's definitely a point with Walter White mm. at which it becomes a, sort of about arrogance or pride or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I agree that, yeah, yeah that it's a slightly more tragic character in Buttercup Silver. Yeah, okay. Um, there we go. So that's we've got a slight tangent there. So I'll tell you what else I watched, actually, before we get on, because I know people sometimes like it when we give them recommendations. Mm. I watched a film last night, which has just been released on Netflix. It's a new film, but it's been made for Netflix by the director Paul Greengrass, who's done a load of good stuff. Uh, and I think it's called 22nd of July. And it's about Anders Brevik, you know, the guy who massacred these uh, teenagers in in Norway a few years ago and it is an I mean it's not it's a heavy watch Mm-mm. it's not don't watch it if you're thinking I need something to cheer me up right. but it's it's brilliantly brilliantly done mm-hmm. really good film um so that's that yeah someone was telling me the new the new series of serial is good okay but they don't need the publicity, do they, no, on they, another podcast? No, no, they don't need us. Yeah. Uh, right, back to Justin Butler. <laughs> uh, secondly, I've pledged on Patreon for your birthday tier because a birthday is what I'm writing to you about. But I don't think I can maintain this level long term. I'm thinking of dropping down to a more affordable level after several months. I imagine this might be some terrible breach of Patreon etiquette, but I'm hoping that by telling you from the outset, you'll be impressed with my honesty and not add me to a blacklist. Look, we're just grateful if people like. Yeah. It's a question of if if you've got a bit of spare money and you think oh, I really like this podcast, I'd like to support it then whatever you can support us with at that time is fine, you know, whatever. And if you can't support us and all you can do is support us by listening to it, that, that's fine as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's it's just the, the hopefully the way it works is, you know, when, when $5 a month, for example, or $10 a month is is nothing to somebody or it's very little to somebody and they think, well, I spend you know, four hours of my month with these guys, I, I can give them a tenner, then then that's fine. Mm-mm. But if you're in a situation where you've, you know, every month you're sort of out of money by payday, don't worry about Patreon. No. And also you can change your tier at any time. Of course you can. Yeah, yeah. Even if you just do the birthday one for a month or two, you still get your card. Don't, don't worry. tell them that. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I can I, I can say three months <laughs> and I will count them. <laughs> Um, so th- there we go uh, so the podication could you please podicate two for my wife Naomi Butler who's stop it <laughs> Butler's just making me laugh yeah. which is a bad situation to be in whose birthday is on the 16th of October could Annabelle also create a title for her if that's allowed uh, we've been together 13 years and married last year this has been quite a stressful few months though because she's been made acting head of her department whilst waiting for a new boss at what is already a stressful job oh sorry i see what you mean i read that wrong okay what he meant is this has been quite a stressful few months though because mm-hmm. she's been made acting mm-hmm. head whereas i was expecting it to be it's been uh, a stressful few months though because she's been made acting head good thing here right, comes right, the bad right, thing right, but yeah, yeah. the acting head bit is the bad thing you're reading this blind so yeah, yeah. you know that's fair enough yeah a lot of um more professional people would sort of read through things yeah, in why do i draw attention to yeah. that sorry <laughs> <laughs> also we've bought our first home much further away from where we work yeah, yeah. That, i mean Buying a house is glorious in its way, but it's really stressful. And yeah. uh, She found your podcast about six months ago and immediately listened to all the recent ones because one a week just isn't enough. She decided to go right back to episode one and listen from there, which is what we've been doing. However, she's dreading the day that we run out of new episodes to listen to, so she carefully rations them like the precious resource <laughs> that they are. Right now we're up to the middle of July. Oh, wow. Uh, Naomi is a smiley person who usually laughs a lot and it pains me to see her so stressed and worn down. So thanks to you both for helping us chill and remembering that we're not alone. I hope she will now hear her podication and it will bring a big smile to her face to sustain her throughout the day. Thanks again, Justin. Well, Naomi, happy birthday. Happy birthday. And, um, you know, think things will things get better. Yeah. You know. And your title is in your card. This comes from Pete... <sighs> 
Bocampani. Yep. Bocampani, who says, Hi, Annabelle and Jeff. Hi. Hi. I discovered Adrift relatively recently, earlier this year, when it showed up under my podcast recommendations. The show has helped me to classify exactly what I am. A drifter. Yeah. I listen every week and I'm working my way backwards through the older shows. I only recently learned what the GLAP in GLAP (laughs) Clinic means. Yeah, that must be puzzling. Um, I've just become a Patreon supporter and eagerly await my title. Thank you, thank you. Um, I'm writing to request a publication for my beautiful wife, Katia, on the occasion of our 15th wedding anniversary. My life changed for the better on the day I met Katia on a blind date set up by my sister and her sister-in-law. Wow, blind date works. That's great. Uh, uh, July the 1st of 2001. Our first real date was to see a Roxy Music reunion show in Boston. And it was then that we truly bonded over our love of music and art, among other things. Over the years, we've been through the very best of times, as well as the very worst of times. And I feel our bond is as strong as it's ever been. It took a long time to have them, but we have two beautiful children. Twins. Oh, he's crying. Oh, this is why you have to read it blind. I know. We'd never I know, get to them, know, in other words. Yeah. Um, Sophia and Peter the Fourth, and they are um, truly a blessing as well. I just want to wish Katia a very happy 15th anniversary and remind her how much I love her and our life together. I look forward to many more years together and still feel that the best is yet to come for us. Our anniversary is the 17th of October, so if this could be read out sometime around then, I would be even more grateful. Thank you so much, Jeff and Annabelle. Sincerely, Pete Bocampani, which he spells it out phonetically for me at the end. Bocampani. 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 In Plainville, uh, which is in Connecticut, he says, have I exceeded the maximum number of pronunciations in one email? <laughs> uh, Tony Basra writes, dear Jeff and Annabelle, I hope you are both well. Um, Annabelle's not, actually. You've got a viral infection. Yeah, I'm on, I'm on, the, on the recovery, on the yes. Uh, I just wanted to write to you to ask for a birthday publication for our daughter Serena, who turns five on the 16th of October from her mummy and daddy, Gerps, rhymes with burps, Thanks for, you know, we need these pronunciation yeah, things. Yeah. And uh, Tony, admittedly, she doesn't listen to your show and she's so full of confidence. I'm not sure she'll ever be able to quite relate to the tales of social awkwardness on your podcast in quite the same way as I do. But uh, as she is five and probably has never heard her name broadcast before, I am sure that she would love to hear this podication. She'll probably think her daddy is a man of influence and start asking for podications for other people and for herself year after year. Apologies if this is the case. We'd, we'd welcome them. Yeah. Serena, congratulations. And, and this is, um, this is a, um, a phenomenon that I've heard about, people who themselves are sort of quite awkward you know quintessential drifters Mm-mm. doing a great job of being parents and then bringing up these kids who are really <laughs> sort of confident uh, and popular yeah it's it must you don't even know yourself or is it the kids rebelling by being yeah, confident yeah, yeah, and popular yeah. and this comes from katie cusack who says hi jeff and annabelle hi hi I've been thinking about sending this podcast in for months now, but in typical drifter fashion, keep putting it off. I had a few podcasts on the radio show over the years, but this is my first time requesting one for a drift. Is that right, Katie? Is it that long since we've heard from you? Uh, I probably wouldn't have got around to requesting it at all, but your recent question in the podications of the latest episode about whether you'd done a podication for a tiny embryo before felt like a sign that I should email. My husband and I have been having fertility issues going again I, I, I suspect this would happen <laughs> it last. <laughs> uh, for over a year now and uh, struggled to get a diagnosis t- as to why from the NHS I love the NHS it's a wonderful institution but woefully underfunded if you're in need of critical care they will fix you right up but if you're in need of something non-life threatening they seem to move at glacial speed uh, given that my 30s were getting away from me and having no patience we eventually decided to go private to work out what the problem was that was three months ago and it was decided that IVF was the best chance we'd have for having a baby I believe you both have experience with this, so I know exactly what that entails. Oh, God. Why is this? Why does this get to me? <laughs> I, I, my eyes are watering a bit, don't worry. <laughs> uh, and so to my publication, at the time of writing, 
I've had a tiny embryo inside me for three days. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. A, uh, A fact that feels incredibly strange. We're very much at the point where it's a waiting game to see if I'll become pregnant. But I'm sure a publication from you could help encourage this tiny bean to snuggle up safe and warm and start to grow. Fingers crossed. Oh, Katie, I mean, that, that, I mean what, is tough, what is tougher than that? Oh, you know, dear. that, that yeah. particular thing, that, which the forums call the 2WW, the two-week two wait. two-week wait, yeah. It's, it's just awful and, you know, I hope it works out for you. And if it doesn't, you know, to, to some extent, it's rolling a dice and, you know, I hope you get to roll the dice. Yep. Until, uh... If you're wondering what that noise is, it's me being unable to speak. So I'm just sort of doing that on my leg. Uh, all right. We will stop there. Um, thanks to everyone who sent in a podcast this week. Shall I try and rattle through them? Yeah, through them. Yeah. Justin Butler for Naomi Butler. Uh, Pete Bocamponi for Cotia. Um, it was Tony Basra for Serena and Katie for the, uh, for the little bean. And that's this week's podcast. Thanks for listening. And send us an email if you'd like a podication. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. You did so.